you're not working at a job for a company that does X, Y, and Z. Instead, you're in your day-to-day life and you're doing X, Y, and Z. And you're like, hey, I could really use an app or a way to automate or a program or a product that could do this for me every day. That to me is where sort of innovation really is great is when it actually noticeably can improve someone's life. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Hello and welcome to Writers in Tech podcast, a podcast brought to you by the UX Writing Hub, which is an educational platform for writers from all over the world. We teach UX writing and content design. We have a blog. We have a job board. We have a free course on our website, uxwritinghub.com, so check it out. And we also have the Writers in Tech podcast. The idea is to make UX writing and content design accessible to the world so everyone could know about this practice. And today we have another special guest, which is amazing. Her name is Jessica Drew. Jessica Drew have experience as a copy manager, principal UX writer at care.com. And today she's a senior UX writer at Car. Gurus. Hello, Jessica. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How is everything on your side of the world right now? You're in Boston, right? Yes, I'm in Boston. It's a little icy today. We've had quite a bit of snow the past few weeks, but thankfully it's melting and hopefully sunnier days ahead. So pretty good. <laughs> Amazing. You told me that in the last year you were working all remote, right? Yes, completely remote, which is new for me. Since the pandemic started, we went remote, I think the second week of March, and now we are coming up on a year. So it's been a year from home. What a crazy year. I know, bananas. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I hope everybody will be vaccinated soon and we could all go to I, I know. know. I actually festivals. just made my vaccine. Oh, I know festivals. I just made my vaccine appointment this morning. So I'm very excited. Oh, congrats. Very I excited. did my first run and I'm on my way to do the second one. Very good. I heard you guys are doing great in Israel. I'm very jealous. In Israel, yeah, we're like a risk group or something like that. Like we're just <laughs> a, a big experiment and all of us are doing the vaccine right now. I like the hustle. I like the rush. I need people to pick it up. Come on, let's do it. Let's go. Yeah, you know, people, want to, people want to go out, see places. Right, 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 right. I, I, hope, uh, I hope it's not going to hurt anyone. I hope it's going to be no, an actual no, no, good no, vaccine. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So Jessica Drew, what's your background? Sure. So I uh, went to school in New York City. I went to Parsons School of Design and I originally went to school for photography and about Halfway through my freshman year of college, this was back in 2007, it was sort of that weird transition between film and digital photography where the future of photography like wasn't really like solidified yet. So it was like kind of an odd place to be as like a young person trying to make a career. And I sort of was like, you know what, I'm going to do graphic design. I feel like it's a better major. And I fell into advertising that way. And I was an art director at an internship. And one day a creative director pulled me into his office and he was like, I thought I was in big trouble. I, I, I'm a little <laughs> bit of a tardy. I'm a late person. I'm late for everything. It's a problem. I thought I was going to get yelled at. 
But instead he said to me, he's like, listen, I've been watching you work and I think you're a copywriter. So I think that today you're going to start copywriting. He had some senior person like help me out, teach me the ropes. And I've been a copywriter ever since. And then UX writing sort of fell after that. I worked as a sort of traditional marketing advertising copywriter. I worked at Ogilvy in New York City. And oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. It was it was great. It was amazing. I made a Hellman's mayonnaise commercial. If anyone wants to talk about mayonnaise, I know everything about it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, totally. Just a man. Should I eat it? If I try it? (laughs) We could get into this conversation, but good fats are good for you. You want to keep yourself healthy and eat. I'm all about skincare and food and everything. So we could like go off on another tangent here (laughs) for like two hours, but I will bring it back to writing. So I was a copywriter, wrote commercials, banners, all sorts of stuff. And I fell into working on the IBM account. At Ogilvy, which was very tech focused. And there was a little bit of UX writing in there. And it was still a relatively new discipline in that time. And then I got a job. I moved from New York City back to Massachusetts. I'm from Massachusetts originally. Wait, for people that are not familiar with Ogilvy, so Ogilvy is like the old school copywriting agency from oh, New yeah. York, you know, like Mad Men style, yeah. right? Right. Yes. It's 100%. It's like Mad Men, drinks at the bar, like Peggy very Wilson old style. Yes, very, very old school, totally Peggy Olson style, like 70 hour work weeks, like, you know, crazy crazy bananas. And it was it was great. Don't get me wrong. It was great. But it's also, I think, just given the nature of the industry, it was also a transition time for advertising. So it's like I started photography. That was a transition time. I started advertising. That felt like a transition time. And then when I finally moved back to Boston, I had a friend that was working for care.com and they were like, do you want to apply for a job here? We have a writer role. And I was like, well, this is like UX writing. I'm like, I've never really done that before, but I applied for the job and I was like, you know, I'm a fast learner. I'm a computer nerd. I have been building computers, coding on my own, all sorts of stuff like that since I was a teenager. And I didn't even realize I was coding when I was a teenager. I just thought I had the best MySpace layout. Out of anyone, I didn't realize that I was actually coding, but like HTML tags, yeah, 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 like changing CSS, phones, totally. CSS. I yeah, made really good live journal layouts. I don't know if you remember live journal. It was like the coolest thing when I was thirteen. I think we had like an Israeli adaptation to that. Thing I'm that sure. I'm sure there was a, there was an equivalent that you guys yeah. had. <laughs> so I started UX writing, and it was awesome. I loved it. It was like everything that copywriting wasn't but all the good parts of copywriting. It was much more strategic. It was much more, you know, solving a puzzle, less trying to sell someone something and more trying to genuinely improve how they understand the information that they're absorbing. Like it just felt a little more academic to me. And I just have loved it. And I fell right into it. I got, you know, all about it. I had a great manager at care.com that came from Fidelity Investments and they have a great UX program there. So she sort of knew the ropes, knew how to teach me everything. And I just really took to it and I loved it. And I spent about four years or five years almost at care. And then I got this opportunity at Cargurus and it's been awesome. And it's a relatively new UX team at Cargurus. We're pretty small. There's five designers now, my manager, and who's amazing, and myself is the lone UX writer here. So it's fun. It's good. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> what a journey. What a journey. I know. I feel like I just like told you my whole life story. But listen, <laughs> like I'm picking from your story that you have many skills. Listen, you know a bit how to code, you know 
graphic design, photography, you know, how to do copywriting, you know, how to do UX writing, which is slightly different than copywriting. And you're also a singer, but, you, you haven't <laughs> said it, but I know that you're a singer as well. I am. I am a singer. I, I do music. No, I am a master of none. I can do a lot. No, no. Uh, no, it's funny. I just love creative pursuits. I get bored really easily. I also have ADHD. I have like that, for a that while. Was what I was about to say. I have yes. so many discussions lately about ADHD because like I, I have it that I was diagnosed as well. So yeah, I feel it in my evolution. I was also a graphic designer, a UX writer, an entrepreneur, a last student. I don't know. I was a QA engineer at some points, like many different stuff, just pursuing the next creative thing to do. Totally. And I think that, you know, I honestly feel like the ADHD conversation has been completely reinvigorated by TikTok, which is so weird because I feel like so many people are like their algorithm is like suggesting to them that they might have ADHD. And I think a lot of people are realizing that they they might have this like later in life and not have known it. And I think it's like a good thing that it's being normalized because I used to not tell people like I used to. Yeah. I used to think people would think that maybe I wasn't going to be a good worker. Or I was going to be lazy or going to be hard to manage, but I think it's good the more it's normalized. And I feel like I'm like finally comfortable, like telling people like, Oh, I have ADHD. There is so <laughs> much, there was so much shame. Right. In, totally. Like, I don't know. Like I told my parents, listen, I can't sit in class. I just can't, I can't, I can't. And they said, stop talking to your peers. Stop talking to your classmates. And I was like, it's boring stuff. I can't <laughs> handle it. I don't know what to do. I have the <laughs> I have the inattentive type of ADHD. So I am like head in the clouds, daydreaming, thinking about everything but the subject that's on the table, kind of a vibe. But it's interesting because in some ways I feel like UX writing is a kind of good profession for someone like me because especially given that I am not on just one team, I'm not on one squad, I cover the whole business because I'm the only UX writer here. I'm never bored. I'm always able to switch context. I'm always able to, you know, see a different area of the business or help out somewhere else. And since I do have that background in traditional copywriting, like if I'm ever slow, I'm always like reaching out to the marketing team. I'm like, do you need subject lines or something? So there's always something to do that's not nice. boring. And I think that's something that's interesting about UX writing in general is that you have like sort of this basic skill set. And then you get to go work for a company and learn all about what they do. And you can apply your skill set to their expert area. Does that make sense? So it's it like, is. as a natural, like I'm a self learner. I love to learn. I love to read. I love going on Wikipedia. Like there's something very fun for me about being given a piece of information that's maybe technical or not accessible to, you know, a lay person and figuring out what's the simplest way I can explain this to someone that they would immediately get it in the least amount of space. And it's like a challenge in some ways. And I think that's what keeps me, keeps my attention with it is that it is engaging and it's a puzzle that's to be solved and you can sort of crack the nut. And I think that when you do, you know, that I call them like those thorny projects that come across your desk where someone's like, hey, we have like a banner that has a 120 character count and we need to say, 10 lines of information about x y and z and there's an illegal there's a legal requirement that we have to say this word but we can't say that word like that's when i feel like i really shine because i feel like people think that you're like a magic like magician like you come back to them you're like look what i did i said all of it 
in 119 <laughs> characters. So I'm like one under 120. Look at me. I'm amazing. Like that to me is like the satisfaction that I get from UX writing. And also when I love when an engineer like takes a stab at a screen or something and they send it to you and they're like, will you take a look at this? Like just a gut check. And I love giving it back to them. And they're like, wow, that's so much better. Like, that's just a very satisfying feeling in a job, that sort of positive feedback loop immediately. Right. The, the feeling of also the fact that you're needed. They need you in right, the company. Right. And, and and we're needed. UX writers aren't needed. I don't know if, back to the vaccine thing, like, I, I don't know if you guys are having, you aren't, Israel's doing a great job, but in Massachusetts, we're having all these issues with all these sort of third-party softwares that have been, you know, contracted by the government and they're, you know, to book appointments for vaccines and they're a nightmare. A lot of them are so bad. They're confusing. All I can think about is, is how is like a 75 year old going to navigate this site when I work in UX and I'm having a hard time booking an appointment, like I can't figure it out. And the copy is bad. It's written in jargon. And like, I love when you get like an error message. It's like the database wouldn't respond to the request for too many mister. And you're just like, what does that even mean? That doesn't help me. Did I make a mistake? Is it my computer? Is it on there? Like, it's very, you know, evident to me how needed this profession is and this like humanization of these experiences because they're not going anywhere. We're not getting rid of apps and computer interaction. We're not getting rid of that. That is the future 100%. And I think that people who are able to synthesize sort of these heady, you know, technical concepts, these devices that aren't maybe familiar to an older group. And explain that and make it easy and make it fun even. I think that is like so necessary in today's society. And I don't, I don't mean to be like, wow, UX writers are so important. We're like solving the world's problems. We're, we're not. But I do think that it is a necessary discipline that a lot of companies, I think, are a little behind the ball on like putting into their organization, to be honest. Some companies, you know, have had UX writing for a long time and have been, you know, sort of the pioneers in that respect. But I feel like a lot of companies like were dragging their feet about adding that chunk to the UX design discipline. And I've actually met a lot of resistance throughout my career to being even included sometimes in conversations. People get very territorial about their projects in some ways. And I think that, you know, when you bring in a new discipline who it's technically, I think writing is considered a soft skill set in our society. I don't think that necessarily, but you know, that's sort of the vibe that we get, that we're creative and emotional and soft, that people with hard skill sets tend to be resistant to that because they're like, I don't need that. That's extraneous, feely, warm inside stuff, you know, and it is necessary, though. We need we need to be talking to people and we need to realize that not everyone's a computer nerd. Not everyone's going to get this stuff. Like a great example. I love to do this. This is a really dorky thing. And I haven't been to an airport in a long time. And it's making me sad now I'm thinking about it. I love <laughs> to watch people try and interact with airport kiosks. Oh, because 100%. most people can't. 
can't do it. <laughs> like they just can't do it. Like most people are just like confused. You just see like their hand hovering. Like they're just like, what, where did I go? Like what, who is this? And that to me is like a live UX test, like right there. And I'm like, what is wrong with these screens that people are baffled by them when they first look at them, that they don't know immediately what to do? Because I feel like when you look at an app, it should be abundantly clear or, you know, a GUI, an interface, whatever you're looking at it should be abundantly clear what your first action is. And I think that that's missing in a lot of, you know, day-to-day computer programs that we use. I love everything you said right now. I, <laughs> I feel like I'm could, just talking for a really long time. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't agree more. This is like, uh, we should cl- quote this. It's amazing. <laughs> but, but eventually UX writers are needed. That's like the main idea. And like many people are asking me, and you covered many of the things that many people in the community are talking about, like the fact that we aren't included all the time and stuff like that. We need to fight sometimes for our seat at the table because not all of the company understand why it's important and you covered uh, all of the things about it. And I have another question, a little bit about like the future. So people in the community ask me also about do you think we're going to be replaced by like copy generators, AI, GPU, machine stuff? Do you think that you said UX writers are here to stay? Software is going to get more complicated and we will be there to simplify it. But do you think we're going to have like, what would be the relationship between the writers and the machines? So you stumbled into one of my other interests, which is futurism and talking about what what is the future of work? Like, what does that mean? And I keep a close eye on this because I think that it's a real, not threat. I don't want to say it's a threat because it's a good thing. It's like what life look like when we've made it so efficient and so easy to live that the tasks that we used to do day to day are no longer necessary. And UX writing, I know that they've recently had some sort of preliminary research. I think TD Bank did it where they had a computer write lines of copy and they tested them against lines of copy written by a UX writer or a copywriter. I can't remember what they what the application was. It might have been UX, but it might have been like a traditional ad too. But come to find out the computer wrote better lines than the copywriter did. But the only reason why the computer was able to do that was because the computer used a database of copy written previously by a human to optimize the copy, to make a better experience. And I think what was interesting about that was that ultimately, while a computer might help optimize the experience, there's still going to have to be a human that puts that input. So I think that the future of UX writing, let's say, probably there's going to be a lot of computer usage involved in it because I was talking about how TD Bank, they ran a test recently where they tested copy written by a copywriter or a UX writer. I can't remember what the application was. I think it might've been some web banners and they sort of ran a test. They had the computer's copy and then they ran it against what the writer wrote and come to find out the computer wrote better copy. But the reason why the computer was able to do that is the computer used a database of previously written copy by a human and then optimized by many humans and optimized it to create the perfect line of copy for this experience. And also the computer had the added advantage of using real-time feedback to adjust its copy. So it would say like, 
oh, people are clicking on the banner that says now rather than the banner that says whatever else it says. And the computer was able to adjust and be like, I'm going to use the word now. And all of them, while a writer doesn't have that immediate feedback loop, we have to wait for analytics to come back with our numbers in the meeting two weeks later, you know, that kind of vibe. And I think that what that tells me is that there's still going to need to be a human component. A computer might be doing the optimizing. It might be doing the day-to-day, the the drudgery of copywriting, I call it, sort of like those UX writing, I call them the junior bread and butter projects, the things no one wants to do, the boring projects. Maybe the computers are focusing on that and the UX writers are free to be more creative and to sort of supply that database with the information that the computer can then pull from. But this brings to a larger conversation of like the future of work and like what what does that look like like when computers are overtaking everything because there's even evidence that computers could be doing what software engineers do that they could automate everything and that you know, it's ultimately just going to be someone watching the server farm, making sure everyone's functioning okay. But that's a job for one person, not a job for a department of 15 writers. And there's, what, seven, eight billion people on the planet. That's not enough jobs for everybody. So I think that there's definitely a, a sea change happening with what that future of work feels like. And I mean, I don't want to be like political about it or anything, but it's definitely like a real conversation that people need to be having. Like, what are we going to do like when there's not enough work for everybody? Like, what does that look like? What does that need? But I think what's interesting is that if the future of work goes to a road, let's say where we go to like universal basic income and there's not like a traditional job in place for everybody, I think that's going to make people more entrepreneurial and creative, to be honest. And I think that that in a weird way will sort of a skill set of a UX writer could still be very, very, very valuable in that sort of a world because it's sort of a more individualistic, like explaining what you're doing, because there's still going to be communication and there's still going to be a need to talk to people and explain what something is. And like, yeah, I just don't think that it's a skill set that isn't going to be valuable maybe in the way that we look at it now, like in the tech company, you know, paradigm that we're in right now. But I do think that building a toolbox of skills that revolves around communication and explaining things to people is always going to be valuable in the human experience. Are we going to chill in the beach while the machines are going to do the work for us? Probably not. Probably not. Probably we're going to have like, I don't know, people without jobs and I love your optimistic, I'd say, point of view of saying that people would have to be entrepreneur and like figure it out, wing it somehow. And I really hope that's what's going to happen, you know? I think that it says too that if people are freed from the drudgery of work, of feeling like work is a necessity, that it's going to result in people solving more real problems in their day-to-day life. So, you know, if you're not all day working at a job for a company that does X, Y, and Z. Instead, you're in your day-to-day life and you're doing X, Y, and Z. And you're like, hey, I could really use an app or a way to automate or a program or a product that could do this for me every day. And that to me is where sort of innovation really is great is when it actually like noticeably can improve someone's life, like a product that when you get it, it's a game changer. And I think that in some ways, the way that the tech industry is right now, and 
we've sort of fallen into like this area where we iterate to a point where there's no more innovation. Like everything's so incremental, like everything's such a small change, such a, oh, optimize this flow, make this page a little bit better that sometimes I think we don't ever go for like swing for the fences. We ne we're never like, let's try something completely different. Let's make this completely better. Let's like completely rip out the, the walls on this and build something amazing. I think that there's some hesitancy to do some stuff like that, like the risk involved in it. I wish there was more risk taking sometimes. Like I yearn for a time where there was more blue sky thinking and more ability to create amazing things rather than iteratively fixing experiences that already exist. At least that's been my experience in the industry. I'm sure someone out there has like some amazing creative job where they can think of anything they want. The sky's the limit all day long, but my job's a little more nuts and bolts day to day. And that's not a condemnation of the companies I work for. I love where I work. It's awesome. They're great. They're really good to us. But I think that that is something I really want to see happen in UX is more innovation to make people's lives better rather than polishing a project that it's an improvement, I guess, to what we're looking at right now. But is it actually making things better on the whole for you know the end user? I agree. And that's what will make us also better designers to design different, better solutions to the people around us. And I wonder, the re in my opinion, the reason that we just like keep iterating on stuff, like, I don't know, the web or like mobile apps is because there are also technological limitations. So new technologies are going to be more accessible. We could think about more creative solutions. So I use a lot of no-code solutions these days to like kind of sue different ideas together like automations and like building websites and job boards and stuff like that that can take a problem that it took a lot of people and resources to solve just like in a simple way that one person can solve that and that's the designer mindset that i'm trying to do in the ux yeah. hub yeah no and i think that that's totally valid too absolutely 100%. So we haven't spoke about Cargo that much. And, ah, I know. <laughs> and uh, you know, Cargo, I went through the website, great user experience. We definitely need something like that in Israel, uh, by the way, because in Israel, we're still like in the Craigslist phase, you know what I mean? And now it's like Cargo took the part of Craigslist about like selling cars and just did it really, really well. And I feel like that's why it's a successful company. To the people that don't know Cargo, from what I understood, it's a marketplace for used cars and, and new cars. Am I right? Yeah, totally. So the thing that makes Cargo's sort of special in its own way is we have a proprietary algorithm. It's called our secret sauce that we are able to use sales data from your area using a postal code, a zip code to analyze whether a car is a good deal or not. Nice. And we have a bunch of different ratings. We have fair deal, good deal, bad, or overpriced. We don't call it a bad deal, it's overpriced. Mm -hmm. And great deal so that there's a confidence in shopping that you know that you're not being taken for a ride. And in doing that, it's sort of freed the shopper to feel more confident in the car buying journey because buying a car is not a fun experience. I don't know in Israel if it's much different than in the U.S., but in the U.S., it is not fun. It is 
a day long slog of talking about numbers. I'm not a person that's comfortable doing that sort of number negotiation machismo kind of a vibe. Like I'm very like, you tell me what I pay for it and I'll pay for it. Like I, I don't know that. And I'm, I know a little bit about cars, but I'm not an expert in any way. So I wouldn't know, especially buying a used car, like, is it a good deal? Is that a good thing? So to have a website that's able to sort of predict that for a user, I think it's very valuable, mm-hmm. especially with a pain point of something like car shopping, which is, you know, a bane of people's existence. Like I had a friend of mine was car shopping two years ago now, and he asked me if I could help him a bit with it. And it was awful and I hated it. And I was like, oh, and this was before I started at Car Gurus. And then like when I was contacted by the recruiter to work there, I was like, yeah, I want to work here because that is a problem that I see that needs fixing. Like that car shopping stinks. And we are constantly trying to make it better, make it easier. We now, now you can qualify for financing online, which is super easy, which is a huge, you know, pain point for users being scared, like especially young people who might not have the credit history or might not know if what kind of rate they might qualify for, or, you know, it really demystifies that process that you're able to shop with confidence and be like, oh, I know what my rate is. I know what I'm doing. On top of that, CarGurus is a great engineering led culture. That's all about being fast, being responsive, using data, like taking, you know, these insights that we get from SEO, from users, from feedback, and really creating experiences that are optimized. And since design is a relatively new discipline at Cargers, I think maybe it's about four or five years old now. And I joined as the first UX writer a little over a year and a half ago now. It's exciting because we're able to take this sort of blank, engineering, you know, all things considered, it looks pretty good given that engineers have been working on it for 10 years, mm-hmm. website and just make it sing, like put that spin on it, give some, you know, voice to it, make it beautiful, make it functional. And it's exciting because we've got a lot of opportunity here to just make things great. And as the lone UX writer is sometimes feel like I have a, a very big ocean of tasks ahead of me. I, I have 10 years of a website of legacy to look at and I'm, I'm not the only writer here. I, there are some editorial writers and some traditional marketing copywriters. But um, you have some dusty corners. Do, you have some very dusty corners. <laughs> and I find that sometimes you can, I, I like to break websites for fun. Like I like, well, at my job, I like to see like what weird edge case can I find here is what's hiding behind door number three. And you'll find some funny stuff on website, any website, go to any website and you'll find so unless they're like amazing at cleaning up their tech debt, but mm-hmm. most places aren't. Right. I think that it's really fun to sort of find those experiences and fix them, especially when it's not even asked for. Just file like a bug ticket on Jira and be like, hey, fix this page. It might not happen instantly, but I like to do that. And I think that's something I would encourage other UX writers to do is, is like, I think that I especially have struggled this in my career. I don't like to step on people's toes. I like people to feel comfortable. I'm very empathetic, especially coming from advertising. You know, no offense to that industry, but it's it's a very cutthroat industry. It's not warm and fuzzy. No one's patting you on the back or telling you you did a good job. Like, you just hustle. And I think that what I 
like about especially at Carter's is it's such a good culture of just kindness and good people and support and in, in general I I like that tech companies sort of foster that feeling I mean there's different culture different companies right. and people like different working styles but for me I like that comfort there and I think that as writers we're sort of sensitive people and designers too sensitive you know warm fuzzy people that we shy away from you know, maybe sometimes being the center of the conversation and being like, this needs to be fixed now because we might defer to someone more technical or more senior or this. And I'm not saying be a jerk and, you know, throw papers around and be a bull in a china shop, but don't be afraid to advocate for a project that's like really going to move the needle. And if you think it is going to move the needle and I'm not saying, oh, add tons of extra year plate work, extra hours, but like Talk to your manager about it. Be like, hey, this is important. We need to fix this. This is a huge part of the site. And you might be surprised that no one else has noticed it because they've all been in the room for a while. They didn't realize that there's an elephant sitting in the corner, especially when you're new to an organization. I think that that's like an optimal time to sort of find those dusty corners, like you said, to clean up. I agree. And I love this tip to be like, like to be proactive about uh, UX writing and to find those dusty corners as well and to try to improve them, even if you weren't asked to. The most successful UX writers I've met are people that had to advocate for UX writing before UX writing was a thing, even in their organization. They were like, what are we going to do about this copy right now? Because it's bad and we should fix it. And then people were like, oh, so just do it already. And like, we we'll, Right. And then they are them as UX writers eventually. And yeah. I've heard a complaint from more junior UX writers that a lot of the roles that are posted are, are very senior for UX writing. And they're like, it's not even that new of a discipline. Like, how could someone have 15 years of experience doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And I think that's because companies are looking for that motivated, you know, mover and shaker who understands business and is able to like have their skill set down so that they can be more of an advocate for the discipline. And that's sort of why they're looking for those more senior people. But I think that UX writers especially don't be afraid to apply for a job like that because since so much of our job day to day is advocating, we already have those skills. We have to be able to do that because we have to be able to sell our work into, you know, an organization. And I think that that's something that I hope changes because I've noticed that some UX teams get a little top heavy in that respect. And I know there's a lot of young people trying to break into the industry and really get there. And I really want to help those people like get in and do that. And my advice is like, Don't be scared of a job post. Apply to it. Uh, tell them why you're good for it. Mm -hmm. Tell them you can do this. Tell them you have the skills. And you'd be surprised what people come back. They, they, they might be like, yeah, let's give this person a shot. I've heard it on the other end, interviewing people being like, hey, like they're a little green and wet behind the ears, but <laughs> I liked them. They have a hustle. They have a spark within them. They, they can do it. Right. And I, I really encourage that confidence in everybody because I feel like we all struggle so much with like imposter syndrome right. really badly. <laughs> so Everyone. I always want to tell people, I'm like, until you make it you got this you can do it <laughs> that's a great tip and also maybe if you're applying for a job and you're a bit like a newbie and you're just starting out maybe you can find the dusty corners of the exact company that you're applying for and see like where are their pains and maybe if you could talk right. about it in the job interview they would be like okay this person is down to solve our pains already let's hire them 
nothing is more impressive in a job interview, and I've seen this on both ends, than pointing out a problem that already plagues the people that work there. They're like, oh, you got us. You know exactly what. And like the smile that you'll see go across whoever's interviewing you's face, they'll be like, okay, you know what's up. You're observant. You've got this. You understand our company. You understand our business. Like, I think that's super valuable for people. Absolutely. And I think more people, like I said, with the fake until you make it, like, just go for it. Like, I think people hesitate because they don't want to be wrong. Sometimes they're like, oh, I don't want to be wrong. I don't know everything. It's like, what's the worst that can happen? They're like, oh, actually, you didn't. That's not quite it. And I always say with job interviews, too, is bring yourself to the table because if you pretend to be someone else in a job interview, you're never going to be happy in that job. Right. You're just going to be pretending to be someone the whole time you're there. And there are companies out there that respect that. And I actually have found the more in my career, the more that I bring myself to work, the more success I'm seeing and the more people like me and they like that I'm real and they like that I'm honest. Like, I mean, I'm not inappropriate or anything like that, but I, I don't shy away from, saying my opinion, saying what I think. And yeah. And like, like you said, like, it's important to be proactive about that stuff. I've been pretty lucky in my career that I've had opportunities fall into my lap and that doesn't always happen to people. And I realize I'm very privileged and lucky that that's happened to me. And I know hustling can be really hard, but I think that as long as you know that your skill set is solid, that you understand the principles of like writing as a UX writer, which is basically to me boiling down to one sentence is simplify and make it easy to understand. You can work for any company as long as you have that sort of natural ability to do that. Amazing. Great tips. And we're about to finish really soon. I know. We've been talking so I know. And, and I could <laughs> uh, I feel like I want to do another episode with you like Oh, if you want to. <laughs> we should catch up later on this year or something like that because we haven't covered enough. No, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a talker. I, like I said, I have ADHD. So like, I'm actually surprised that we're not like sitting here talking about the Lord of the Rings right now because that's like the story of I like always end up on some topic like way far away where I'm supposed to be. That's, uh, that's uh, reasonable. That's reasonable. And, so, and I, I'm so down to talk episode- about Lord of the Rings as well, by the way. Right, 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 right. right. And uh, right. we talked about... Okay, so we talked about... Whew, so many things. ADHD, <laughs> we talked about, uh, we, we gave fantastic advice for people that want to get into the field. We talked about working at Cargo and we had like fabulous discussion about the future as well. And we, we also mentioned the word dustic corners a lot. And I don't know if we should mention that, but Jessica, how should we name this episode? Oh, okay. So I, I've had a few ideas. I think that how ADHD can help you find dusty corners. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a fun one. I would say Gandalf's approach. <laughs> Gandalf's approach. Yeah. Gandalf's approach to UX writing, because oh. we did mention the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and that's, I would like that. I'd be like, what does Gandalf have to do with UX writing? <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. I, I, I have a feeling that like people, that I love the ADHD effect on dusty corners, because yeah. usually like, I would think to myself that maybe it's like a cleaning podcast and usually people with OCD have problems with dusty corners and not people with right. uh, ADHD. <laughs> not so much. Uh, uh, the Gandalf example. So that was 
Maybe it's more general. Maybe it's like how ADHD can be a benefit for UX writer, ADHD and UX writing. To be honest, we have two episodes ago, we also talked about ADHD and it was how ADHD can improve your UX writing. Well, at least I know it's a good idea because you already did it. I think, I think we got to talk about Gandalf. <laughs> I, I agree, I agree. So what was it? It was Gandalf approach to UX writing? Um, yes, Gandalf's approach to UX writing. Oh, I love it so much. That's the name Perfect. of the episode. <laughs> And, uh, That's so funny. Wow. It's amazing. And people would think like, why Gandalf? Why Gandalf? And then they would listen to it. Do a part two and we'll do Sauron's ap- approach to UX <laughs> writing. And then we'll talk about evil UX in that episode because I love talking about oh, evil UX. Okay. So we're going to do another episode. Sounds good. Okay. Jessica Do, I had a pleasure talking with you. I did too. This was so much fun. It was so nice to meet you. It was nice to meet you. And we're going to meet in our next episode for Writers in Tech. I don't know where it's going to be, but it's definitely going to happen. All right. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thanks.